All right, we are live and in living color. Across the Tracks podcast, first weekend in May. May, 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 May. Here, it is here. And we're here, Across the Tracks podcast. I'm Wayne. And I'm Steve. All right, all right, all right. So, how was your week, my friend? Oh, it was pretty pretty decent, not too bad. Just uh, do what I've normally done under the coronavirus pandemic slash shelter in place slash don't take your ass nowhere slash, <laughs> you know, being bored to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything's normal, you know, just doing this, just doing the everyday thing. How about you, man? Same here. Same here. Uh, still, we're all sort of like semi lockdown. A few places have opened up in Colorado because uh, the governor lifted some of the restrictions last weekend. But still, I mean, there's there's nothing, you know, the theaters aren't open. The gyms aren't open, that type of thing. So it's like, well, where do you really have to go? Nowhere. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm actually going to go back to uh, I'm actually going to go back to my office tomorrow uh, and I sit in a place where there's nobody around so I can quarantine myself. But I needed probably to get back into my office and uh, and, and work from there. So I'll still be quarantined uh, just uh, in an office by myself. So it's all another, good. In other words, you're bored of staying at home, huh? <laughs> working from home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So get get out there and see what's going on. I went by the office Saturday, cleaned up everything, wiped everything down in my office. I mean, it's been locked for almost a month. So yeah, uh, but yeah, it's uh, same old man. You know, keep your behind at home and just go out for the necessities and back home. That's it. Walk around the block. That's it. Yeah, I know, I know. So, Lynn and I did something the other day just to get out because you know I'm. I get my red car out sometimes, and Lynn has her uh, CTS Cadillac. Get it out every now and so we'll just ride around town. Yeah. And then um, Thursday, we said, let's ride on the west side of town, go by the airport, you know. And I said, I'm going to stop in and see one of our Corvette friends. So I called him on the way out and said, be, in your, be outside your garage. And we're just going to pull up the very front of the driveway. We'll be about 20 feet apart and we just talk, you know, and it's it's amazing that having human contact other than your significant other <laughs> it really matters. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So we talked for about 10 minutes or so. And then we jumped back on the highway and came back home. But it was good just to just to just to have human contact with someone else, you know, other than going to the grocery store and held right. the people in there. You don't know. You just right. kind right. of go buy them. Right. So I said, and then, like I said, we were probably 20 feet apart and we just talked for about 10 minutes and then we just came on home. Yeah. But that was actually kind of refreshing just to, you know, talk to somebody other than Lynn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I hear you, man. It is, uh, you know, we still got a long way to go, um, even though people are trying to open. uh, uh, You know, some places are probably opening too soon. Uh, I think that's one of the topics uh, on the agenda for tonight. 
that we're going to dabble into. But uh, now we've got a few things on the list, and uh, I'll let you kick it off, my friend. Okay, okay. The, the history teacher in me is going to come out here in the first part of this. There are a couple of uh, events that has taken place 50 years ago. It's just It seems like uh, we're in this cycle now of 50-year anniversaries of things that are happening. The first thing happened uh, in May of 1970, May the 4th of 1970, which is uh, will be the anniversary will be tomorrow. Okay, and that is the uh, massacre at Kent State University. Uh, students were protesting President Nixon's invasion of Cambodia. Yep. You know, when Nixon ran for president, you know, he said he was he was going to bring us out of the war. He had this secret plan called Vietnamization, which was to slowly bring us out of the war. Come to find out that he had been bombing Cambodia. And the news got out that we had been secretly bombing Cambodia and people were against the war in the first place. And so it just exploded across the country that he had been lying. President Lyon, imagine that. Yeah. He had been lying to the American people about secretly bombing uh, Cambodia. And then these riots broke out on college campuses. And at Kent State, uh, that weekend, uh, they had, you know, riots in downtown Kent and so on. And they after rioting and, you know, cutting fire, starting fires in Kent downtown and getting back on campus the next Monday, I think it was, that the um, National Guard was called in and uh, they opened fire on the students at Kent State. And uh, several were killed, several were wounded. And I forget the number that was killed right now, just left, just left by my brain, uh, were killed. And so that was, um, that happened uh, 50 years ago tomorrow. So that was one of the tragic things. And then on our last podcast, uh, we had another anniversary right after we finished our last podcast. And that was, uh, the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. That was April 22nd, 1970, in which people were, uh, the whole world was out trying to support saving the environment, saving the earth, and so on. That was 50 years ago, and so that movement started uh, at the same time that these things were, just probably a week, a little bit before, a week before uh, the Kent State um massacre took place so those are some um historical events that happened what what do you, you i don't know if you remember that or not but yeah. what are your thoughts on that well, you know we were what we were probably what 12 or 13 at the time yeah um you know um, being born in the late late 50s uh but i do remember the kent state shooting and uh, you mentioned, you know, um, uh, nine people were wounded, four students were killed uh, in mm-hmm. that massacre. So it was shocking that, you know, one, the fact that the president was lying to the American people about what was really going on in Vietnam. 
And um, it calls to mind if you if you've ever got the chance, if you ever had the opportunity uh, to watch the Ken Burns documentary uh, on the war in Vietnam. He brings out all of this. I mean, all of this comes out in that documentary. It is one of the best documentaries I've said and watched. But all the deceit and all the lies and everything that really what the U.S. was doing in Vietnam Mm -hmm. crossed into Cambodia. Um, They were in Laos and all these places where they weren't supposed to be. All this comes out in the documentary. And there's also a brief discussion in the in the uh, show about the Pentagon Papers, mm-hmm. um, which uh, you know basically revealed this lie that the government had been telling the American people about what was really going on in Vietnam. But I remember that you know even as a 12, 13 year old kid, the fact that wow, you know college kids were killed, you know on their own campus. That was just it was shocking. So uh, yes, I do remember that. And uh, as we were talking before we came on the air. You know, 68 was turbulent times, but the 1970, man, there was a lot of things going on. You know, some good, some shocking, some bad, but a lot of things going on. And here we are. Uh, it's that time, 2020, to look back 50 years and see some of the things that, that happened during that time. Hmm. So um, it's it's pretty, um, pretty shocking what uh, you know what went on and and those four kids being killed, you know, for simply exercising their, uh, you know, their right to free speech, you yeah, know, yeah, to protest the war and and then they're gunned down on their campus. So, excuse me. So very very shocking and you know it's something that's uh, that's in the annals of history and you know we shouldn't be allowed to forget it. So no, yeah, you're right about that, brother. You're right about that. That's yeah. for sure. Absolutely. All right. We'll we'll leave that as it is. And let's segue into a few topics that we want to uh, get in tonight. Yeah. Uh, the first one, we don't normally get into some conspiracy type stuff, but I think we're going to kind of <laughs> hint around that in this podcast. And this this next little segment that we want to segue into I want to call it Georgia on my mind or Georgia on our mind, because Georgia is one of those states that decided to open up its economy for folks to get back out there, even though that this virus thing is still pretty active. And so we want to talk about the decisions that Governor Kemp made in order to open up Georgia's economy, you know, what businesses were open, who those businesses were tailored to, and so on. So I personally think that there's a little conspiracy that goes along with that. And I'll, I'll let the audience know as we as we go into it a little bit further. So. I'm going to kick it back over to you and let you, and give me your thoughts on what do you think about the governor, Governor Kemp, opening up a state that is just now getting to this coronavirus and the numbers increasing? Yeah, well, again, he, he you know, he, he's a he's one of the, the current occupants uh, pals and defers to him all the time, thinking that, you know, he's sucking up to him and whatnot. And I thought it was I thought it was odd, you know, in lieu of the fact that the government had put out that 
you have to have 14 days of uh, showing that your numbers have gone down before you can reopen. Well, he didn't even do that. He went straight to we're going to open. And it's like, okay, um, you, you're, you know, you're exercising your bully pulpit, whatnot. But when you look at it closely, the type of businesses that he said could open, <laughs> off the top of my head, I'm like, tattoo parlors, nail salons, barber shops. And I'm like, hmm. So that's why everybody said, do you, do you find this strange? I said, why, why are these businesses open? Because who primarily goes to these businesses? Minority folks, black folks, you know, a lot, a lot of Asian uh, proprietors run nail salons, but we're in there getting our nails done. And the beauty salons, the barbershops, whatever. So, and, and I think bowling alleys were open too. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you look at it, like you say, with a conspiracy type mind, you're like, okay, what what are you doing? And are you saying something subtly that you want predominantly black folks to to go to these businesses so you can? Uh, get us sick and possibly kill us off. You know, <laughs> we, I think we talked about one of the podcasts, you know, we know within our community that we have a lot of folks that have underlying health issues. And so on top of the high blood pressure, the cholesterol, the diabetes, getting your sugar, whatever you want to call it, um, getting the coronavirus, a lot of times it can be the kiss of death for black people. And we, it, it has been shown that it's taking a serious toll within the black community, the number of people that have died from this disease. And so when you sit back and look at it, it's like, okay, you, I, are you in a, in a subtle way targeting black folks? Because one, maybe you don't want us to vote. And if we're sick and if we're uh, dying off, that's less people to, to vote come November. And I threw it out to my wife. She says, oh, yeah. She said, I believe that. She said, I think that exactly. And lo and behold, I went on the Internet right after he opened. I was looking at the one of the uh, feeds on the Internet last week. And who's lined up outside a nail salon? <laughs> it is mm. all these black folks lined up outside this nail salon. And I'm like, yep. We're there, and <laughs> a lot of people are going to get sick. I hope not, but if they do, this is going to spread, and you know, it, it it's 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 suspicious. It, it is suspicious. <laughs> yep, yep. That, yep. I, that's all I'll say. It's suspicious. So how it about is, it's it's particularly weird. <laughs> now, I I I think the same way as you, Wayne. The fact that. You know, Stacey Abrams, you know, didn't become the governor because of this Kemp guy simply because he was the state uh, attorney general. Yeah, yeah. And he refused to have a recount. Yeah. And the state and most of the red states down south have done a lot to purge people from voting uh, privileges. And I think think that there is, my, my personal opinion, there is a little bit of conspiracy 
and they're just trying to, uh, I mean, you know, Stacey Abrams is, she's working on getting more people to vote. And yep. I think by opening this up, that it's going to affect the black community more. Absolutely. You know, and in this election coming up, you know, the occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue wants to uh, be reelected. And Georgia is real close to, you know, turning him back. And so if you have fewer people that's going to vote against him, then his opportunities may be a little bit better. So this is just us. This is just the across the track guys, you know, small town uh, people from Elizabethtown, Kentucky. But, you know, we have enough common horse sense that this is suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. And suspicious. as you mentioned, you know, when when they had the governor's race, uh, Kemp, I mean, his office being the. It was if you mentioned attorney general, um, I thought he might have. Was he the secretary of state? Or Could have been the secretary of state. Yeah. Secretary of state with yeah, yeah. his office oversaw elections. Right. And the thing was, dude, you oversee the elections and you're running for office. So who's going to be the checks and balances on the process? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was like, you know, having the fox guard the hen house. And so Stacey Abrams kept, you know, brought that up during the election. It's like, look, this dude needs to either step away from his office if you want to run, but you can't occupy, you can't have your feet in both troughs. And so right over, you know, that's suspicious. And what's going on now with him, you know, opening up these certain types of businesses, it, 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 as they say, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. <laughs> and, and this looks very, very suspicious because of the fact that we, we not only see it in Georgia, but we see it in a lot of other places where they are determined to keep minority people from voting this fall. And so we, we cannot allow that. And so thank God there are people like Stacey Abrams out there who are beating the drum to call attention to foolishness like this, man, that, you know, that people marched and died for people to have the right to vote. And so who are you as a, a governor or somebody within the state legislature? Who are you to deny people that right? And if if you're not afraid of the outcome of what the election may or not be then let people vote. Let the people speak. You know, we're supposed to be government of the people, by the people, and for the people. But a lot of times we see that the government don't work for certain people if your skin color is of a certain persuasion. Yep, yeah. So that, that's how I look at it. <clears throat> and, uh, you know. <laughs> I tell you what, to go along with that, Wayne, We're going. this is just a segment B to go along with that, and that is the state house uh, protests that are taking place in different parts of the country. Uh, it continues to go on in Michigan, small groups of uh, angry protesters went up to the state house, and I think there's a little bit of conspiracy that goes on there, too, because I think the people uh, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue wants to get people angry at something you have they can't do anything unless they have to have a bad guy absolutely and so one thing that i recognize is the fact that the numbers that are protesting at the state house um 
uh, protesters. Those numbers are small, but what I'm seeing is that, and have you noticed this, that there are people there that are carrying uh, AR-15s and yep. handguns and so yep. on. Yeah. If yep. you're there to protest about getting your, you know, open up the state, give our, get the jobs back. If you're there to protest, why are you there carrying guns? Right. If you just right. want to get your jobs back. Right. Here's the other thing that I see, Wayne. The people that are protesting in these state houses, they're not protesting about not having jobs. I think they're they're mostly protesting about not being privileged enough to go to Olive Garden to eat, to go to the bowling alley, to go to the swimming pools. To That's more the protest than anything else, because you know the people that are really doing the work right now, the essential people as the current occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is saying, we're ordering those people back to work. Yeah. Well, who are those people? Yeah. They yeah. are the brown and black people. Yeah, that's right. They're 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 working and these people that are complaining, they're complaining about well, I can't go to the mall. Right, right. It's not that I I don't have a job. They're complaining that they can't go to the mall. They can't they can't go and um uh go go to the dog park. Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we had that discussion. My wife and I had that discussion, you know, a couple, couple of things on, on this topic. One, the, the, you see these individuals up there, like I said, they got AR-15, they got rifles. I was like, but nobody say anything about that. Right. Flip the script. And if that was a bunch of black folks marching on the state house with guns, they be calling out the National Guard on these people. Well, you know, yeah, you know, in 1970, we're going back 50 years ago, the Black Panther Party out in California, you know, Bobby Seals and those guys were arrested for carrying guns in the right, state right, office. Right, right. And so it's again, we 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 we've talked about this before, and it always it's a common thread. And everything, when you talk about this country and the history of this country, you have to bring up the fact of the hypocrisy of this country, that certain things seem to be okay for other people to do. But when brown or black people do it, oh, man, it's bad. You know, we got we, we got to arrest them or we got to put severe restrictions on them. You know, does the Second Amendment not apply to brown and black people? Uh, you would have that's what you would be led to believe that the Second Amendment doesn't apply to black and brown people because if it was brown men and black men standing out there protesting, waving flags and their MAGA hats and whatnot with their AR-15s. I guarantee you they would be arrested. National Guard be called out because they're like, oh, gosh, we're going to have a revolution. But nobody seems to say nothing about it. One, what are you showing up to protest with a gun for? Well, you know what I don't get. What do you, like you say, man? It's it's what what are you protesting? The fact that you can't do something. That's what this is about. And as we see, the virus reveals a lot of things about um, the individualism of people during this crisis. It says something about our personalities because we are a we are a. Uh, 
we're a privileged people. And it's, it's what do we want? What can I do? This type of thing. And that's what the virus is showing. It's showing sometimes an ugly side of people's personalities. Yeah, yeah. You know, one one other thing, this is another one of my conspiracy ideas here. These guys that are showing up with these uh, weapons, I think they are using the people that are protesting because of privilege as a way for them to try to crack or try to start this this kind of this war, this waste race war or something that's going on because they are militia groups and Michigan has a lot of militia groups. Okay. And I think they're using the MAGA upset people as a way of getting in there and getting their points across. I, I would almost bet that most of those people that are protesting because of privilege don't really care if those wouldn't really agree with these militia guys coming in there with those weapons. This is just just me talking off the top of my head. And these militia groups are using that as a way of kind of forcing their ideals onto or, or a way that they can be visible. So that they can possibly recruit more people. And it's the it's the stupid protesters that are uh, protesting because of privilege that they're using to get more recruitment. That's what I'm seeing also. Yeah. And and, and again, you you know, you you don't have any leadership at the top, you know, to support the governors, (laughs) governors, if the governors look who are supposedly over their states. The 10th Amendment to the Constitution says, you know, the governors have certain powers to enact uh, for their states. But we have no leadership at the top of the federal government, which that leadership should say, look, I stand with the governors of these states. But no, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to juck and, and duck and jive and whatever and, and, and you know, play the dummy in the whole thing. Like, you know, hey, it's the governors, you know, so, Dude, you're supposed to be the leader of the federal government and you should be, you know, supporting the governors and calling these people out for what they are. And he won't do that. And so we have a situation to where so far it hasn't happened yet. But I would not be surprised if at some point violence breaks out over this and uh, it's going to be ugly when it does. And it's because we we have no leadership. At we the have top. no leadership. We have no leadership. Yeah. And I think, uh, what is it, Proverbs say, where there is no vision, the people perish. And uh, that's exactly what's going on. We've, we've got, what, close to 60, was it 66,000 people? 66,000. 66,000 people have died. And that's because the people have perished because we have no vision. The Bible is always true. And Proverbs calls it out. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Yeah. And people are perishing in this country because we have no leadership and we have we have a leader with no conscience, no backbone, no morality, no moral compass. Uh, and people are suffering because of it. So yeah. you've got a lot of things going on, um, you know, on on different spectrums. But this virus has pulled the veil back of a lot of ugly things that you and I. And like you say, the average citizen from where we grew up 
um, in, in E-Town, Hardin County, the counties around E-Town, you know, Radcliffe, uh, Vine Grove, uh, you know, me County, all those places, small communities, they know this. They know, man, what it means. They, they know what it means to go without, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know what it means to go without. And so the, the virus has exposed the fact that, you know, there are people they're suffering now. They were suffering before. It's just America turned a blind eye to it. Right. But but you can't you can't hide now because the curtain has been pulled back and you can't say, no, pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. You can't, <laughs> you can't pay no attention to that man at 1600 Pennsylvania right. Avenue. <laughs> America has been exposed for all the hypocrisy and the greed and, uh, you know, it's all about me and I'm going to get mine. I don't care if you get yours or not. All that has been exposed. And the world now sees that, you know what, America ain't really as great as we thought they were. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> speaking of speaking of that, Wayne, since he's such a narcissist that we're going to segue into another topic here. OK, let's do that. that. Um since since the occupant is such a narcissist that he has decided that the cadets that are at West Point who have been sent home because of the coronavirus, he has decided that he is going to give a graduation speech for West Point. And no one is supposed to upstage the current occupant at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Well, a, a couple weeks ago or last week or something, the cadets at the Air Force Academy in your backyard, right up the street from you, yeah. they had their graduation and Pap was their uh, speaker. Pap meaning Pence. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they had, hadn't left the academy yet so i from my understanding they were sitting eight feet apart and you know stacked and so on and the current occupant didn't like that so he can't have you know uh the vice president to give a graduation speech and him not give a graduation speech so he decided to contact the uh commandant at west point which for the first time happened to be a black man in the school's history uh, and said that we're going to have a graduation ceremony and the current occupant's going to speak. So a thousand cadets who are, who were sent home now have to come back to West Point, possibly expose themselves to the virus (laughs) on the way back to West Point and listen to him give a speech and then go back to the state, the city, the county that they live. Yep. That's putting undue stress on those families and on the cadets that can possibly come back. And let's think about it. They're from all over the world, all over the all over the country. Country, yeah. And they could be coming back and bringing viruses back to the. Uh, 
the academy. Yeah. And the current occupant says, well, he didn't like the way the Air Force Academy had everybody all separated. He wanted to put all the chairs back together again and give a speech and they can throw their hats and all that kind of stuff. There's something wrong with this man. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Again, man, he, he is a poor excuse for a commander in chief. One, um. Dude, your ego is that important that you got to put other people's lives in jeopardy. I mean, that's that's how much of an egomaniac this clown is. It would be different if it was an actual war and they were fighting. Right, right. but it's not. And it's like, so <laughs> you're going to have these kids travel from all over the U.S. to come back. And a lot of these, well, not a lot of these cadets, they're going to graduate, be second lieutenants in the Army, be shipped off to their unit. They could infect those people in that unit. Military readiness goes down. Good order and discipline is affected. All because you and your ego want to give a speech. And that speech is going to be a bunch of BS, him primarily talking about himself, patting his own self on the back, you know, saying what a great guy he is and all the great things he's done. I mean, it's pathetic, man. It is pathetic. And again, you got silence. Nobody's calling him out. I don't see the Secretary of Defense calling him out, saying this is a this is a matter of military readiness. We're not we're not you know the SecDef should put his foot down and say we are not calling these cadets back. Sorry, Mr. President, it ain't happening. But these guys, they all suck up to this clown, and they're afraid to open their mouths and say and do what they know is right because they're afraid of this guy. I don't know what he's got on all these people. But this is appalling that uh, he's going to do that and make these cadets come back. And uh, again, poor excuse for a commander in chief, because any any commander worth their salt would not do that. They would not they would not put military readiness, good order and discipline on the line just so they could have their ego stroked. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) So. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, man. And I hope and pray that none of these cadets get sick. None of their families get sick, but something tells me that's not going to be the case. <laughs> and uh, that's not going to be the case. And and I guarantee you, if it does happen, guess who's not going to take responsibility? For? <laughs> <laughs> who are you going to blame it on then? Who are you going to say, oh, it's their fault? Who, who are you going to blame? Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Wayne. <laughs> there is a black guy that is the commander at West Point. That's right. He'll get the blame. Yeah, there you go. So he's he's got to be related to uh, Obama in some way. You know, they're cousins. Yeah, it's Obama's cousin. It's <laughs> yeah, he'll get so, the blame. So he's going to blame it on him. Yeah, you'll blame it on him if, if these cadets get sick because he takes no responsibility for nothing. <laughs> so I, I just like to, I mean, gosh, man, you don't know. I, I cannot stand this guy. I can't stand <laughs> He is a poor excuse for a human being, period. Poor excuse. Yeah. Poor example of a human being across the board, man. Across well, the- I tell you what, we're going <laughs> to segue into the next thing. Is He's not a poor example to the state run uh, TV station and the state run TV station we're talking about Fox News <laughs> the state run TV station has um, put their foot down here recently there were a couple of 
uh, not reporters, but individuals that are well known in the state run TV circles. And we're talking about uh, two ladies that became prominent because of their stick to to the current occupant at. 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue during the election of 2016. And we're talking about Lynette Hardaway and Rochelle Richardson, also known as Diamond and Silk. Yeah. Diamond and Silk. We are talking about two ladies that are very outspoken in favor of the current occupant and all of the state-run TVs um, propaganda, I should say. And so the state-run TV last week gave them the boot, dropped them to the drop, kicked them to the curb. To the curb. Sent them out back to the woodshed. (laughs) Put them on lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Fire their ass. Yeah, right. <laughs> spreading, spreading foolishness about spreading, them. And the and the reason they were fired is said that they were spreading false information. Gee, gee. <laughs> false information. That means should be a whole lot of people fired at this. Oh yeah, you remember. When the coronavirus, COVID-19 came out and they said it was a hoax. Yeah, that's right. And everybody on state-run TV said this is a hoax. Yeah. Now, 66,000 dead Americans. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess they were spreading false rumors. Yeah, yeah. They didn't fire uh, themselves, huh? Right. Yeah, they didn't fire themselves. And uh, a lot of their talking heads said that, you know, it was a Democratic ploy to uh, oust the current occupant. I mean, such utter bullshit they were spreading, <laughs> man. You know, I, I gosh, man, I if, if, if we hearken back to the words of Brother Malcolm, Brother Malcolm said in one of his speeches, man, that the majority will always find one of us. They'll always find one of us. To speak foolishness, to uh, you know, to talk down about other black folks, whatnot. The majority will always find one. In this case, Fox News found two. <laughs> they found two, and and I mean, some of the crap they said. I'm like, are y'all for real? You know, I mean, you're an embarrassment to black people, man. <laughs> you're an embarrassment to the human race. <laughs> you're an embarrassment, man. And, and, not only, you know, those two, they were always shooting their mouth off in support of the current occupant. But if you remember, Omarosa was one of those people, too. Yep. And I remember Omarosa saying in one of her comments that everybody's going to have to bow down to the current occupant. That was one of her comments she made. Well, he fired her ass. You know, she, <laughs> you know uh, I mean, it's like. Malcolm was not Malcolm was not wrong, man. The majority will always find one of us that is willing to make a fool of themselves in support of their policies and what they stand for. They'll always find one of us. In this case, they found two. They found a few more. Uh, you remember the sheriff in Milwaukee? He was another, yeah. you know, and it's like Malcolm was not wrong. 
they will always find one that is willing to castigate themselves and make fools of themselves. And we're, we're left shaking our head like, what the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, right? here's, here's the other thing that, that goes along with that. You know, once you start getting comfortable, you know, being with state-run TV, and they've got their segues on the different programs and how they came in, you know, they're supposed to be representing, you know, the black community and so on. And then when something that they say is, is incorrect, like all the others who said something incorrect, who's going to be the first fired? That's right. That's right. You know, so you can always you can you could always be in favor of and you can support and you can do all those things to make those folks happy. But when it came down to it, we're going to always be the first to go. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and they didn't say anything that was too different than what the other host right. people had said. Right. They basically, I mean, the state-run TV, Fox News, said that they claim that the number of people died from the coronavirus is inflated just because they want to make Trump look bad. That's right. Yes, absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Now, everybody else on state-run TV has said the same thing. Right. And, and and making statements like that, man, it's disrespectful to the families of the people that have died. Ah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Why, why would someone want to make up the fact that their loved one died just to, you know, paint a poor picture of someone? We don't, you don't need to waste your time painting a poor picture of this guy. He does <laughs> it himself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? we, he doesn't need any help. And it's disrespectful to those families, man. And, and I, you know, the, these these folks, these folks, Diamond and Silk, the sheriff in Milwaukee, they're a microcosm of that that faction of our community that is willing to castigate themselves and say stupid stuff. And then when they do get the axe or get the boot or, their, or the majority oust them from the cookout, <laughs> we... We, the, we, 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 we take that back into the community, and I, I don't get that. I don't yeah, get well, they, oh, gosh, I can't think of it. Stacey Dash. Remember Stacey Stacey Dash? Dash? Yeah. Got her. Yeah, we, 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 it's like, no, I'm sorry. Your black card is getting pulled. You're not allowed in Wakanda. You're not allowed to come to the cookout. Uh, you're not a part of it because you've made a fool of yourself. And we ain't accepting you. We're not accepting <laughs> you, you know. And so I was glad that they got fired. But you're absolutely right, man. They have said nothing different than a lot of the other bozos on that network. And they still have their job. Yeah. So uh, it just tells to show you, man, uh, we always have to be on our P's and Q's. And just when we think that we're in you get a slap of reality real quick to let you know, no, nah, you ain't all the way in here. You're not all the way in here. Yeah. You know, that's, I think that's what they found out. They, they found out the hard way. No, nah, we, we ain't totally accepting you. It's, it's like a lot of things in life. The fact that if you're doing something that that's new, if you're doing something that's, um, that's challenging and then it becomes easier for you. And then as soon as you think that you've got it mastered, you let your guard down and it comes back to bite you. That's right. 
you know, it comes back to bite. Just like riding a motorcycle, you know, when Joey and I had motorcycles, you know, we were riding all the time, you know, and stuff like this. And as soon as you get comfortable with it, it's going to come back and say, hey, I'm yep. still here. I yep. can still hurt you. You can still die. I can mess you up. So you should always be on your, as you said, be on your P's and Q's. You should always be, have the alert status up at all times because right. at, at any point in time, something's going to come back and smack you across your lips. That's right. Have your antenna up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. So, uh, my friend, um, a couple other items I want to throw out. You know, I think, you know, we hit the topics we wanted to chat about tonight. Uh, a couple of topics I, I remembered from, uh, I had my notes from last week. We didn't, we didn't broadcast last week. Uh, it was the end of the month, and so we, we pushed things off to this week. But a couple of things, um, another couple of anniversaries and, uh, and a, a couple of passings uh, that occurred last week. And uh, another anniversary uh, from last year that uh, not last year, 50 years ago, I think it was. It was last weekend. Uh, We'll start with that one first. But uh, the first black players drafted into the NBA occurred on 25 April, 50 years ago. And those three players were Chuck Cooper, uh, Sweetwater Clifton. And Earl Lloyd were the first black players drafted into the NBA on 25 April. And that was that was 70 years ago uh, on April 25th, 70 years ago. Okay, okay. okay. Ago, they were the first black players drafted in the NBA. Um, last week, I had a couple of passings. Uh, one of these was was a monumental music artist, and and we'll we'll save him for last. But you may remember this guy. I, I we we and then it's one of those one of those jams, man, that we played a lot of parties around E-Town at the Hilltop and played. <laughs> uh, Hamilton Bohannon died last week. Okay. Hamilton Bohannon passed away. He had a track called "Let's Start the Dance." Yeah. Uh, it was a club banger. He was seventy eight. He passed away last week. So rest in peace. Wow. And then the purple one himself, uh, four years ago, last week, Prince passed away. Yep. Monumental artist, um, you know, one of a kind. Yep. And I saw I saw on um, on the route. I don't know if you ever read the route, uh, but they had a thing on the route. You know, they've been having these battles on uh, Instagram live between uh, I think the last one they had last week was between Babyface and Teddy Riley. They had a, a battle to see whose catalog was the best type thing, right? So they had Babyface and Teddy Riley had a battle. I didn't dial into it, but the people who did it said it was really good. Huh. Now they're talking about having a Prince and Michael Jackson battle. Oh, <laughs> that's not even fair, man. That's not fair. It's not uh, even fair. It's not even fair because as I've always, I've always said, they're two different artists. They're two different artists. Michael was an entertainer. Prince is a musician or was a musician. Uh, Michael was an entertainer. Prince was a musician. And even though they both got extensive catalogs, they're two different artists. They, they, no, you can't, that's not even, it's, yeah, it's not even fair. It's two, two different things. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they try to compare, they try to compare them because they are similar that their, their strength came at the same time. Right. You know, with, with with Michael starting out earlier, you know, he and the Jackson five 
they were the Jackson Five. Correct. So when when Michael broke out on his own and came up with the off the wall, you know, that was 79, 80, I think it was somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And then that, that was his, his main solo start when he and Quincy Jones hooked up. Yeah. Well, at the same time, Prince who had been, you know, in the Minneapolis scene, he was just now getting his start. So they basically started about the same time, about the same age, yeah. you yeah. know, and Michael had Quincy to, you know, drive his future. And Prince was just a, a, a musician right, right. Who, who wrote his own stuff and did his own thing. He played almost every instrument. Yep. <laughs> and so their their sounds were totally different. You know, totally. Michael, Michael was totally still kind of shy a little bit. You know, he was kind of suggestive with his music. It was all love and so on. And Prince was a little bit kinky. Right, right. You know, Prince's music, you know, it was still, it was a band. And, you know, we still were going through this idea that the bands were fading out. You know, the Earth, Wind & Fires, you know, the, I wouldn't say the Gap Band, but the, the true bands were fading out. And Prince was able to keep that band uh, vibe alive, but it was totally different than what was there before. Right. Yeah. yeah. I have. Yeah. I, I. A Prince story. I have a Prince story. I saw Prince again. His very first album was the self-titled album. It was called Prince. Right. And the hits on that album were Soft and Wet. Uh, Head was on that album. Oh yeah. And uh, I saw Prince open for Rick James at Louisville Gardens. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> I saw Prince open for Rick James at the Louisville Gardens. And Prince performed in a pair of black underwear and some thigh-high boots. Mm-hmm. And he was young. He was probably, gosh, I don't think he was 20 years old yet. He was he was very young. But uh, Master Showman, Master Showman, and I mean, he actually, he showed up Rick James. I mean, he, <laughs> he showed up Rick James. I mean, honestly. Yeah. And um, if you get an opportunity, there's a book. Um, I can't remember the name of the book. I read it. And it's the backstory of a lot of, um, you know, what went on on this particular tour. That Prince was on the Rick James tour. And it was the, um, it was the Fire It Up tour. Okay. Uh, that uh, Rick James was on and Prince was opening for him. Well, at some point during that tour, Rick James let Prince go. And the reason it came out after the fact was the fact that Prince was showing him Show up. up. <laughs> showing him up. So he was like, no, nah, we got to cut this dude loose. But uh, yeah, at the old Louisville Gardens, man, um, I, saw, I saw Prince open for Rick James. And it was it was one of the first conference concerts I went to. And it was amazing uh, to see this guy, man. He was a master showman, master musician. And, uh, and then fast forward um, many years later. My wife went to see him uh, here in Denver. She went to the musicology tour. Mm-hmm. The musicology tour made a stop in Denver, and uh, she was she loves Prince anyway. She loved Prince, and he performed, man, for two hours straight. Did not take a break. She said he performed two hours straight, playing the new stuff from the musicology album, which was out at the time, 
but he did a lot of the hits from a lot of his other albums and whatnot, but two hours straight. And to me, man, that is an artist. That is that is an artist, man. It's, so, um, you know, it's print- amazing that I was I was telling you about, you know, when we started this podcast that I was just cutting the grass. And today I was listening to Prince. <laughs> I had I had his I had his uh, music on shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I tell you what, his latest all of his late stuff, you know, he made that transition from being kinky into yeah. being. Um, more religious. He did. He the did. music sounds the same, but the lyrics and the thought behind the music yeah. was more religious. His last few albums, man. Yeah. I mean, it's it's dance religious music. It is. It is. Yeah. He, he transitioned, man, right before our eyes. And, uh, you know, the music, I, the music to me was always tight. Again, he was a perfectionist about his sound and, uh, that Minneapolis sound, it was unmistakable. And you think not only did he have a catalog of his own, but all the great songs he wrote for other people, <laughs> you know, yeah. the songs he wrote for other people. So uh, if you get a chance, there's a track out now uh, by Sheila E., which she did uh, in honor of Prince. It's called Lemon Cake. Check it out. And basically, she said that when they were in a studio together, one of the most uh, favorite things he liked to eat was lemon cake when they were in the studio recording. So she made this song called Lemon Cake, and it's got a distinct, you know, you can hear that Prince sound in it that where he and Sheila E. collaborated on so many tracks together back in the day. You can still hear that influence on this particular song. But just want to throw that out, uh, that he passed away four years ago last week, left a tremendous catalog of great music for us to listen to, whether you're cutting grass, washing <laughs> yeah. Whatever you can always pop in when doves cry, <laughs> uh, little red Corvette, and yeah. you know all these great songs, man. So rest in power, Prince Rogers Nelson. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So all I right. think, my friend, uh, that takes us to this broadcast. Uh, any parting notes? Parting shots for tonight. Any anything else you want to add before? No, not really. I just you know hope that people stay safe out there. Um, you know, always make sure that you try to protect yourself and others, even though there are the, some people that that are not so uh, into protecting themselves because they don't believe in it. I I think that you know spring is on its way. More people are going to get antsy and just make sure that uh, we as listeners and we as uh, people, uh, you know, wash your hands, cover yourself up and, you know, pray that they come up with some vaccine or some way of dealing with this. So things can open up uh, and, and America can kind of get back to just a semblance of what things were like before. It's never going to be back like it was. No, I don't it's think. gonna be it's gonna be a lot like what what happened with 9/11. America never's been the same ever since, as no. since, and America's not gonna be the same as a result of this of this virus. Mm-hmm. You know, the next time that we come on, it may be seventy thousand people that has died by the time that we we chat again, man. Yeah, 
That's right. That's right. That's unfortunate, man. You mentioned something before. Uh, before I, uh, you know, offer some final comments uh, in in line with what you said, uh, I want to throw a shout out uh, to my daughter. And my daughter is a news producer for KTNV uh, Television in Las Vegas. Well, last night, my daughter was nominated for an Emmy. Oh, awesome. That is great, man. She was nominated for an Emmy for a piece she produced um, uh, to highlight veterans on Veterans Day uh, there in Las Vegas. And so she and her team were nominated for an uh, Emmy last night. So I can say I know somebody who's an Emmy nominee now. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations to the Nelson family. Yeah, she's happy. We're proud of her, of the work she's done. So I wanted to give her some love, shout her out tonight on the podcast. As well you should, as well you should. You and Cynthia should be proud. We are, man, and I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You uh, know, we haven't we haven't seen Danny since 93. Yeah, it's been a while. It it's has been, been a, a while. It's been a minute. Yeah, she's, uh, <laughs> she's doing her thing out there. And, uh, you know, we, we had dialed in. It was virtual last night. The, uh, the nominations were virtual. So she sent us the link to dial in. And so they announced which they announced the category which she thought she was going to be in. And they announced it. And, and we're like, oh, man, well, you know, hey, try again next year. You know, you got another shot next year. You know, you know, work hard. Do it again next year. Well, we logged off the, the broadcast and I went on downstairs to watch something on TV and Cynthia was upstairs watching something. And then we get the phone rings and it's Danny saying, I got nominated. We're like, what? She said, yeah, we, they had us in a different category. <laughs> <laughs> so they announced the category after we logged off. So uh, she got nominated and we're happy. She's happy. And so we're, we're really proud of the work she's doing. So um, to piggyback off of your comments, yeah, we want people to stay safe, um, you know, take care of themselves, take care of each other. And the country is sort of like 9-11. I, I hope we don't forget 9-11 and hopefully we won't forget what's going on now. And the biggest thing I hope that comes out of this is that, you know, right now, everybody's loving everyone. You know, we're 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 shouting up people who are the heroes, the nurses, the doctors, the first responders, you know, people like that are necessity working in the grocery stores and whatnot. I hope we continue to have that love for these people once this is done, that we don't go back to being nasty to people and, you know, treating people with disrespect and maligning people and, you know, wanting certain people out of our country because we think they're taking their jobs. I hope this uh, keeps that. Uh, air of love and, and happiness uh, hopes it keep, keeps flowing uh, because that's what we need so uh, that said my friend uh, it's been a blast tonight I thought we had some good discussions I invite everybody to check us out on SoundCloud across the, across the tracks podcast two small town guys from Elizabethtown KY E-Breeze E-Breeze and, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're going to sign off I'm Wayne Pleasure. I'm Steve. And we will chat with you later. I'm willing. Yes.